Hello, and welcome to episode 31 of Vantage Point, where the vantage is the point. I'm Troy Jennings, an actor, teacher, and content creator. And I am Aaron Pope, a connector, Bible enthusiast, and a solution broker. And we thank you all for joining us again for another episode of Vantage Point. We've been away for a little while, but we're so excited and glad to be back. It's always good to take a break, but we're looking forward to finishing season two strong. We are still in season two, 20 episodes in season one. And we're going to do another 20 episodes in season two. The network tried to get us for for 30, but we said, hey, you know what? Uh, The contract negotiation wasn't there. So we're just going to stick to the 20 episodes. (laughs) So after this, we'll have nine more episodes left. But so excited to be back uh, to be back. So what have you been up to? I have been enjoying the break. I've been enjoying transition. There are so many things that have happened during this time, but I have just been just honestly enjoying life. For me, um, not so much an update, but a thing that I've been enjoying over this time is cooking. Um, They are not a sponsor yet, but shout out to HelloFresh. HelloFresh. That is a great opportunity to cook different things, um, find different ways to cook things. um, And of course, by the name, healthier and more fresh options. So I've been enjoying that. Um, Also, there... are a few new changes that are happening by way of my career and promotions. And um, I'll give details about that uh, very, very soon. Uh, there's a, a strong testimony that I would love to share about it as I've navigated through the process. And uh, I will be a student again, which is going to be interesting and fun and um, just a new journey of Um, in life. And so I've been enjoying those things. And those are kind of strong updates for me. How about you? What's new for you? Those are all really exciting. Uh, For me, I definitely have enjoyed the time away. But one of the things I'm embarking on now is a new play. As we all know, now I am an actor, haven't been in a play in over three years, even before the pandemic. And it's been so awesome to be back on the stage again. And that's definitely something I will give more information about as that unfolds. But it's good to be back and not only to be back, but to be back in an intentional way because I didn't didn't just want to do anything. I wanted to do something that mattered to me, something of substance. And I really am happy with the work that we all are doing on this particular production. It's been interesting doing the play during COVID with all the questions and concerns we have about how to navigate. And some things are really awesome about being able to navigate things that have worked during COVID, such as virtual technology like Zoom. So now we're having rehearsals on Zoom rather than having them in person for some rehearsals. And it really works really well. Um, But really excited not only to be rehearsing it, but I do look forward to when the audience can come back. And I'm glad that audiences are now coming back and that we're doing it in a way that makes everyone safe. And outside of that, new for me is a new job. I've been applying for jobs for quite some time, probably since season one. Uh, I wanted something that was more in line with who I am and my interest in the arts and especially in theater. And to be able to have a job that is actually in my field of study is awesome. And I would say those are two of the major updates 
from me. I want to ask uh, very quickly before we kind of shift and move on. And that's just, I know that the face of church has changed, how worship is encountered and just having different means and methods to reach audiences. Do you feel, or do you see such changes happening in the theater and how it will uh, may transition to be different? Yes. I think that's already happening. A lot of theaters even on Broadway, a lot of theaters are doing a, a virtual option. So they will have things in-house, but then they're also making performances either able to be streamed live or recorded so that people can purchase a ticket to see it at a later date. Now, I have not seen it myself for any productions, but I have heard mixed kind of reactions to it because a lot of it is not... Uh, comprehensive to what a, a fully filmed production really should be. It's kind of just like the camera's there and the audio's there, but it's not quite the same as a live experience. So I think if we're going to go down that route, we do have to invest more time in how to make it more of a, a seamless transition. Now, regardless if we do invest that time or not, there is never going to be a replacement for seeing theater live because theater is supposed to be a live art form. Um, Outside of that, you know, we would just go to the movies if we wanted to see something that was was filmed. But it is a good option for those who may not be able to travel to the theater or just have, you know, concerns about their safety so they don't feel comfortable being around other people. Or it just may work for the lives that we have now uh, for over, what is it now, almost two years that we have um, acclimated to what COVID is. And a part of that is our schedules are different and we uh, may not be doing some of the things that we used to do. Even now we have the the whole spike with the uh, Omicron variant. And that again has led people to say, okay, I may have gone out, but now I'm kind of a bit more careful about where I'm going. No, I agree. I love the, the live experience of theater. Um, there's nothing like your auntie in the back saying what you were thinking out loud. <laughs> and the cast kind of still moving forward, but responding to that energy. I always enjoy things in those kinds of moments, especially um, we've talked about it on the show before, but there was something um, very church-like about the Amen Corner to where people were having the same responses as if it was completely real. Yeah. And um, you do, you're right. You don't get those moments in the theater. You know, you hear somebody say something in the theater, you more like, can you please be quiet so I can enjoy the movie <laughs> versus where at um, when you're at a play or of a kind, you do want that interaction and that energy. It's really good to be a part of and enjoy. And that is exciting. Congratulations on this opportunity. Thanks. Like I said, you know, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to it as it gets closer. I'll definitely, you know, reveal more details about it, but it it's exciting. And I think this is a great time to be a part of the stage again. So outside of that, any new shows, any new movies, anything that uh, you've been watching that you want to let us know about? I have been watching some incredible TV. I will start with Don't Look Up. It is a incredible movie about the times and what we are dealing with and just how we are functioning in a society. Uh, it's about two low-level astronomers. Um, they go on this giant media tour to warn mankind about approaching comets and just how the earth is going to respond to that and or how media responds to it and or how the government has responded to it. Um, there are so many great people in there from 
Meryl Streep, uh, Jonah Hill, Leonardo DiCaprio. It's just so many great people who are involved in this work and so many cameos. Uh, Ariana Grande does one. And it's, it's just a really kind of interesting conceptual film about how we have shifted as a society. You will enjoy. Movies have become lengthy and we only have Marvel to blame for that. So grab yourself a good seat and watch it at home if you can, because you just may need a bathroom break. But it is a great film. Um, I also want to shout out the house of Gucci. I, um, love my fashion documentaries. I have seen just about all of them from Chanel to Versace to even the documentary with Andre Leon Talley. Um, but the house of Gucci was an incredible film about betrayal and greed and just how people will do anything to either be seen and, or to take on the strength of a legacy. Uh, Lady Gaga was in that at Adam Driver, uh, Jared Leto, um, Sam Hayek, Al Pacino. And it was just a it was a really good documentary. Again, another long one, but enjoy it. There are so many truths that were in there. I will say a takeaway of a line that I thought was incredible and impactful. Um, that is actually a real line or a real truth that Aldo Gucci said, and that was quality is remembered long after the price is forgotten. Mm -hmm. And that's not just information you can use for your garments. That's information you can use for your life. Yeah. Uh, and lastly, shout out to Abbott Elementary, who was created by Quinta Brunson. She is a brilliant, brilliant mind, and she has taken on a new perspective of conceptual uh, doc-like TV in the educational sense. If anybody knows an educator or has worked in the school system, you will find some of these moments to be very hilarious. Um, Tyler James Williams is in it. Uh, Janelle James, um, uh, Shirley Ralph uh, plays a part in it. And it's just a great conceptually funny, funny show. It's refreshing to, and it's on a major network. Um, and, it's all black everything. And so um, I I would suggest that you would uh, check out those things, um, particularly Abbott Elementary. Uh, it comes on, I, I believe, before Blackish, before or after Blackish, um, but for Blackish to be coming off of TV and this to be introduced, it is refreshing and exciting. How about you? Well, yeah, uh, just just to comment on that, uh, yeah, it definitely is a great show and it is a great time for television. We see a lot of shows that are leaving, like Blackish, for instance, but a lot of great uh, and new and up and coming talent and producers and you know content creators are definitely doing uh, great pieces of work. And um, those are all things I, I've seen as well. And Abbott Elementary, definitely great, great performances. Uh, it's something new, it's something unique, something fresh. And uh, Don't Look Up as well is really, really great. <laughs> it's a great concept. And it makes you wonder, you know, would something like that happen, you know, in this society that we live in? Uh, it's really a commentary about who we are as a uh, as a society. So uh, I don't think some of the things in there are, you know, quite far fetched. And for me, uh, starting with plays uh, that I've seen several weeks ago, one is Flying West at Everyman Theater, which was a great, great production. Um, I also saw A Christmas Carol at the Chesapeake Shakespeare Company. Great production as well. Perfect for the holidays. Now, when it comes to TV, one of the shows that I'm really obsessed with now is Catfish. 
And I don't know how I missed it along along the way. But I think just recently, just being in the house, I just, you know, on Hulu and I kept seeing it come up, kept, kept seeing it come up. But I'm not really into reality shows, but something said, hey, you know, just go ahead, click on it and see what happens. And I started on, on the earlier season. I think for me, I kind of fell in love with the research aspect of it because I'm uh, in my if I had another life and had to do it over again, I may have been a detective or a researcher of some kind. I like being able to solve things. I like being able to look up information and solve puzzles. And I like uh, how Neve and now Cammy, who uh, is a, a great co-host mm-hmm. to Neve, how they n- navigate researching the different people who come in, who believe they're being catfished and being catfished. Of course, you are talking to people online and they are presenting themselves to be perhaps other than who they actually are. And the show has been on for now, I think eight or so seasons. The new season just came out, but it's uh, all times funny, but also there's some serious moments and it's just, it's really just carefree uh, entertainment at the end of the day. And I really enjoy watching it. And Supermarket Sweep, of course, it's one of my favorite shows. Shout out to Leslie Jones. I think she does a great job on that show. It's one of my favorite game shows. It's just carefree. You know, if you don't want to have to worry about answering necessarily the most complicated questions uh, for any people who like really value. And I know you, uh, Aaron, you like going to the grocery store. So favorite places. Yeah. (laughs) So I think you would find value uh, with being a contestant on uh, Supermarket Sweep. Wouldn't you say so? Y'all see me soon. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's really fun. I I think I would, I would like being on the show. I don't know if I want to be the, the contestant who would do the running and stuff like that. That it just tears my nerves up seeing people run in the grocery store like that. I'm like, I think they're going to like fall at any given moment. (laughs) And I'm like, I don't know if I want to do that, but I can answer, you know, some of the questions. And I just, I just like Leslie Jones as the host. And this is our second season. I think she's really starting to settle in and the show is just really finding its footing really well. And the last one, you know, we all know this show and I grew up, watching it but not with the intensity for some reason i'm watching it now and that's gonna be martin uh hbo max now has martin and just been going through the seasons and seasons and seasons of the show and my favorite episode is the one with martin's mother's bird (laughs) (laughs) and how gina accidentally kills the bird that is one of my favorite episodes i that's my go-to if ever i just want to want to laugh it's guaranteed to make me laugh (laughs) I want to share my favorite because <laughs> Martin will always be a classic. And I we always talk about things being ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of the things we do have to really give Martin credit for is um, self-multicasting um, between his mother, between Chinene, Roscoe, Officer Otis. Like he was really doing something way ahead of his time. But my favorite will always be when Gina has to work at <laughs> Shanene's shop and she goes to sand Elmira's feet. That is one of the most funniest episodes ever. You got to go to work on Elmira's you feet. You got to go to work on <laughs> Gina, what are you doing? You got to go to work on her feet and pulls out this industrial size sand duster and yeah. goes to work on her feet. Hilarious. You know, I think it would be great if they did like a live remake kind of just like a one night only kind of thing if it was live 
I just pick an episode or maybe two because, you know, it was a short show, like maybe two episodes, two of the like most popular episodes. And if they just did it live, I think that would be hilarious. You know, of course, the actor who played uh, Tommy has passed away. Um, and I, I don't know if they want to recast him or not, but I think it'd just be a great show to do live because the original show was done live, I believe, right in front of a live studio audience. Yes, yes, yes. And it's really one of those shows that lends itself to an audience with the laughter and the actors having to pause because the audience is just <laughs> cutting up in laughter. And sometimes you see the uh, actors on the show can barely keep it together with all the things that Martin does. It's just a really, really great and uh, and funny show. Absolutely. Yeah, and I'm glad that HBO Max um, has it. You know, HBO Max has been doing a lot of stuff. We've seen a lot of shows uh, go away, like Insecure, which is one of my um, my favorite shows as well. This is the last season. You know, we had talked earlier, some so shows are leaving, some shows are coming back. I thought uh, Issa Rae is a, is a genius, and um, the fact that she was able to give so much work to uh, people of color, uh, both in front of and behind the camera, I think that's I think that's awesome. And I, I really, you know, support all of these great and wonderful uh, content creators. And uh, as we talk about TV, um, shout out to Betty White, who has gone on to glory. And um, shout out to Sydney Poitier, who has gone on to glory. All pillars in uh, what we know to be TV entertainment. Absolutely. They lived a great life a great life and they accomplished so much and really paved the way for uh, so many of us in so many different kinds of ways. So since we've been gone for these several weeks, what are some things that you've learned in your life? I'm going to try to do this the best way I can um, because I've learned so much. So I'm just going to kind of um, share a few things that I guess were monumental for me in the learning process. I will first start with this, and that is we um, talk about therapy often here at the Vantage Point. And um, as somebody who is very serious about um, therapy and just growing in therapy and being better, one of the things that I will say I've learned to be okay with and be vulnerable in is doing the work. Therapy is important, but it's only important or can only be maximized if you do the work and sometimes that comes with highs and lows and like I said, vulnerability. But one thing I can say I've learned to do is value the work, um, applying those things. It's not enough to just know the knowledge or know the information or know your triggers or know what you're experiencing. I would suggest not just knowing those things, but learning how to have different responses to those things. Uh, with that also being said, I guess that would be something I would say I've learned over this time. And that is to have a different response that I don't have to um, show up the same way I show up because it's consistent or because I'm triggered. Um, I shared in a preaching moment, a vulnerable preaching moment, um, just how I had gone through an experience where I was having the same conversation over and over again. And not because I had rehearsed it, but because the same thing happened to me over and over again. And I kept having the same response over and over again. And what was freeing for me was learning how to have a moment, sit in it and let it go and change my response that I don't have to always respond. I don't have to always uh, give energy to it, particularly with um, situations that don't speak to the growth that you have. 
Um, just because you are growing doesn't mean everybody is and or wants to. And you can't always, you know, push that on someone else. And so I'm learning to kind of have another response. I'm learning the strength of accountability um, and just the role that I played in a lot of the situations that I experienced. When you have accountability of what you've gone through, it to me disarms a lot of anger or disappointment or uh, resentment or negative thoughts that you have about the things that you experience because you get to say to yourself, hey, yes, that happened. And this is why that happened again, because you played a certain part in that. And when you know the part that you play again, we go back to my main, I guess, lesson. And that is you get to change your response. I've also learned to invest in you. In a transparent moment, I've done a lot of investing into other people's visions, other people's plans, other people's, you know, things, because I have natural niche for that. Um, but I'm learning to give that same energy to myself and just watching just doors open and um, and new experiences and opportunities come because I'm doing that and because I take that very serious and I guess I'm learning the best investment you sometimes can make is in yourself and what you want to do. Um, and I guess lastly, I will say a big lesson that I have learned um, is though, and this is churchy, but y'all know me, um, though the vision tarries, wait on it. Wait on it. I have um, seen some things and saw some things way back in October that are finally starting to kind of manifest and kind of come to pass. And they did come with moments where I was discouraged and, or, you know, felt some kind of way and, or, you know, just moved me to be a certain way or feel a certain kind of way. But I've learned to, you know, wait and trust God. God will never show you anything. He is not literally already working out. And so if he said it, you know, wait on it, it will surely, surely, surely come to pass. I am a not just a believer in that. I am a witness of it. Absolutely. I am as well. You know, if he said it, definitely it will come to pass. We've talked about waiting on this show more than once, I believe. And sometimes the best way to really comprehend or understand something is to experience or go through it personally. And then you really have a visceral experience of what it is that you're reading or saying or seeing. Uh, so I've experienced that as well. I think that during this time of self-reflection, also, you know, I value therapy as well, and I, I am in therapy. And another thing I would say is boundaries that we've talked about on the show before. One of the ways to maintain peace is to have boundaries and to say no and to realize you don't have to carry certain things in your life. I got COVID a couple of weeks ago or a little over a week or so ago. I'm fine. I'm recovered. Thank God. But during that time, I took some time to reflect about how many obligations or many things I'm committed to in my life and how many people depend on me for various things. And not that that's bad, but I think I got into a place in my life where I was feeling very overwhelmed with a lot of the things I committed to and I was obligated to. And I'm very clear that it's not bad to to do things, but it's also important to examine how we show up and how we do things. Sometimes in order to maintain your own peace, it's important to realize you can say no. 
you're not obligated to do something, but then also maybe it's not no, but maybe it's not right now that sometimes you have to set the uh, parameters in your life if you're in a a place of feeling kind of uh, overwhelmed. Because if you don't, then you may grow to be resentful about the things that you've committed to doing. And if you're resentful in the things you're doing or giving, what place is it coming out of? Is it really coming out of a pure place if you really don't want to be doing it or you feel resentful about doing it? So it speaks to, for me, it's important to examine the things that I commit to doing and how I'm showing up in those places. And if I'm feeling some kind of way about how I'm showing up or why I'm doing it, then it's something to examine about. Is this something I can continue to doing to uh, keep doing? Or if I keep doing it, maybe I need to show up differently because you can't control other people. But like you were saying, you can control your response to what's happening to you. Um, I think that's um, that's very important. So we're not pointing the finger at, at others, but we are, like you also mentioned, uh, taking accountability for um, how we're showing up. And it's not necessarily that things are happening to us, but what are we making out of what's happening to us? Growth is strange in the sense that you notice it. But a lot of times when you grow, you start to see people's response to your growth because the truth is sometimes people just always expect you to do certain things um, or always expect you to show up a certain kind of way. And when you change those responses or change how you function in the things that you do, sometimes you won't always get that response that you're looking for. And I like what you said just about creating boundaries, because when you create boundaries, you can basically dictate the experience you want to have. You don't have to uh, feel obligated to do stuff. You don't have to feel obligated to continue. You don't have to feel obligated to respond. You get to dictate how you show up, how you feel, the response that you have. Um, and everything else is kind of left up to the party of the people who are involved. Uh, if that makes you feel some kind of way, that's something you got to examine right, <laughs> and deal with. But I don't have to carry that. And um, I think that that's a big lesson that COVID has kind of been teaching a lot of people mm-hmm. their their real value, not the value that was announced, not the value that was said, but their real, real value. Yeah. And, you know, you'll be surprised, I think. When you start setting boundaries or start saying no to certain people, watch their responses, gauge their responses, because sometimes that tells you a lot about more so them. Uh, And people sometimes they do just get conditioned to how we've shown up. So we have a history of showing up a certain way. There's an expectation that you'll continue to show up that kind of way. But there is um, an opportunity for people to say, okay, I will adjust or learn who you are now because we all are growing, some in more significant or more visible ways than others. But if you truly love for, love someone and care for them, I feel like you should be willing to want what's in their best interest. And sometimes that growth may mean that how they show up for you may be completely different. But And then I think it also speaks to um, sometimes we put so much on people. I think that's why it's so monumental when things shift. And it's like, oh, I, I was putting everything on you. You were supposed to be the person who did this, and now you're no longer. And where does that leave me now? Well, uh, especially from work experiences, I found myself in the past 
where it's like one person is required to do something and they're no longer doing it and the whole team crumbles. It should that should never happen in any area of life. There there should always be some kind of fail safe or some kind of system uh, for many different reasons. One, so that things can continue, but also burnout is real. When you have someone who continues to do something, eventually something is going to have to give. And that's not a healthy space to be in. But again, we can't rely on other people to do that. We've got to step up ourselves and ask for what we need. Teams are very important. Yeah. And one of the things that I will suggest will be the success of 2022 with a lot of people um, will be their ability to collaborate. That one person should not be doing anything, all of it by themselves. There have to be people who are collaborating to get one vision accomplished. And just the strength of um, spreading it thin to where everybody knows a few things, but everybody is not solely responsible for those things. One of the things that I appreciate about my job is that they are really pushing cross training Mm -hmm. because they are posturing themselves to where if a person on the team is missing, there is somebody who is still left on the team who can accomplish the job. And that means that what they do or what their niche is may be put on pause, but paused enough so that the team, like you said, does not crumble. Um, And we've got to holistically start taking on that kind of concept to where we start or stop putting so much on people and making them be the sole person for that responsibility. And we start stretching other people and or incorporating other people and or collaborating um, with people. You can always tell a click. When everybody in the clique only can do the same thing, mm-hmm. um, but you can tell the maturity of a group when there are people who are involved in a group who do different things for the sake of the vision to make sure that's accomplished. Partnership is very important. Partnership is very important. And I'll, I'll share this. You know, I mentioned I'm in a new play and we're having discussions about, you know, COVID and how that's going to impact people and the scheduling of the play. Should it still happen? But And maybe a part of me is spoiled because I come from the theater, but the theater is a collaborative art form. It's not just the actors. When we go to see a show, we see the actors, but you don't see the stage manager. You don't see the director. You don't see the assistant director. You don't see the people who are in the booth running the sound. But everything, everything must come together. And even in our discussion there's a lot of transparency about what's happening with people and their schedules. If something does happen, we're even having conversations about who else will go on in place of this person. Uh, we even see this on Broadway with the whole thing with understudies and, and swings, which I'm really starting to learn more about now. Um, an understudy, of course, would take the place of an actor who can't go on for a performance, but swings can l- learn multiple parts, sometimes seven, eight, nine, ten parts. And now these people are learning all these roles. But that's to say that it's not just in a vacuum, like only one person can do this. Yeah, we want that person to do it. But we are having conversations about if they can't, it still goes on the show. As they say, the show must go on. And so um, that art form, I think, is a great model for how we should navigate many areas of life in the workplace and ministry or whatever it is, collaborate, partner with other people. And uh, we really need to talk about why are there so many walls or boundaries 
in place that are preventing or making people choose not to do that. Because there is something there about it where we're just putting something on one person. And sometimes it's not even that it's being put on one person, but it's that only a few people want to do it. There are some instances I've, I've seen where people are like, basically, I'm the only one who can do this. And they're afraid to teach someone else because what if someone else learns it, then what will happen to me? So it's almost like some of us are operating out of a space of fear. I think there's something incredible about that. I, when you were talking about the swing, um, I think there is something brilliant about that. Yes, we have somebody who we are casting, who we know can be brilliant behind it because that's what we want. And we think that they will execute the job. With that being said, we are also mindful that if anything ever happens, this still has to go on. Mm-hmm. And so somebody has to be prepared for that. And though it may not be the person that we designated it to or for, we do have somebody in place who can execute it in the same level of excellence just might not be the name or might not be the star or might not be their turn. I will say particularly um, in spots and levels of ministry, a lot of the great opportunities that I had, I did not get because um, I was basically selected as a first choice. I got because something happened and I was there. Mm-hmm. And I was postured to do what I needed to do. You were ready. And yeah, and that has to be something that we evolve into posturing ourselves to be okay with somebody coming behind us and doing the same job and know they're not you, but you should never be threatened to the point where we're not teaching people how to do what we do because it does show up. It does show up and people shouldn't feel like um, or things vision shouldn't come to places of casualty because we want one person to do the job or people don't want to be invested or they don't want to get involved in that. It should never be like that. It should be set up to where you don't even notice that somebody's missing because there are people in place to do the job. I also like what you said about um just how sometimes we do forget that it is a collaborative collaborative effort. Um, people just, you know, watch things like Jake's ministry and they forget like sound has to do <laughs> things go on with the sound. They forget things go on with the lights and things go on with the screens and things go on with the staff and just accommodate. And that is a collaborative effort. And I think sometimes we get so used to seeing a product that we forget all the things that are involved in that product. Um, and just how to logistically move forward. And there is a true, awesome strength about just collaboration and though you may not want to do it your ability to say for the sake of the vision i can and or even if it's not your level of expertise or your thing just your know-how of just the simple basics to do it is an incredible thing to have and position yourself for yeah and i think now is a perfect time with all that we've experienced and gone through now is the perfect time for us to step up and really start collaborating and partnering with each other no man is an island unto himself you know we do need these relationships that we have with each other if we're going to get to the next level and i do hope that that's definitely something that we can take away from our conversation today is the importance of of collaboration, the importance of asking for what you need, setting healthy boundaries, taking accountability. We are definitely excited to, for these next nine episodes, to continue to encourage, to continue to add value. I think that's something that we remain committed to being able to do. And I hope certainly that you found value in our conversation today. So excited to be back. 
Of course, follow us on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook for more content. And send any questions, comments, thoughts to vantagepointpod at gmail.com. Before we go, it's going to be time for Fields of Vision, the part of the show where we highlight a quote or a text to help encourage and inspire you. And today's Fields of Vision comes from Dr. Anita Phillips. The words I can't and I have to are never true. They're restricting your free will. And if you're willing to have your free will restricted, you're giving from a place that is not true, not free. That does it for us here today at Vantage Point. I'm Troy Jennings. And I am Aaron Pope. Until we meet again, friends, on next Tuesday, be well.